draw nigh unto thee. It's interesting. You look back in the Old Testament. You ever look back in the Old Testament and seen Israel and you, and you just saw them make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. There's almost this, this cycle or this this pattern that they were in, and and it didn't matter. Honestly, it it almost didn't matter um, what happened when God when they turned back to the Lord. And not that that doesn't matter, but somehow you always wonder how did they fall back into the same mistake over and over and over again? And you think how stupid could they be? And then we do the same thing, right? We, we, we find ourselves struggling with the same weaknesses and the same sins, we, we, the same doubts, the same fears. We, 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 we think we've conquered. Uh, the, there's a, a, a time of, of growth in our life and a time of, with, I've, I've, I've finally done it. I finally attained. I finally reached. I finally, I am there. And not that we know that we're perfect because we're not but but we think I've overcome this and then next thing you know something happens and we're right back where we were before and it's a cycle that happened for Israel it's a cycle that happens for us uh, but I, I believe that there's that there is a way to break that cycle I, I truly believe it I, I don't believe that uh, uh, God would call us to live holy lives if he wouldn't enable us to live a holy life I don't believe that God would call us to 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 run the course uh, or bring us through the trials He does, unless there was a purpose behind it. I, I I truly do believe that God uses those things to help us to grow. I believe that God sees our weakness. You look at you look at Abraham. God tested Abraham. Do you remember? Uh, he, we're, this, this, we're not, our, 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 we'll be in Deuteronomy chapter 4, so you want to turn there uh, now, go ahead. But uh, You look at Abraham, God told Abraham that he was going to give him a son uh, uh, that was going to bless all nations. And then years later, when he, was, when he and his wife were beyond the ability to, to have children naturally, and I say that because uh, she was well beyond the years of bearing, and he was an old man, they were both old people. And God did something supernatural uh, to show that what happened was a work of God. God gave them his son Isaac, and uh, uh, Isaac was, was the son of promise. Isaac uh, uh, was uh, the one whom God had promised uh, to bless Abraham through, and, and honestly all nations through his seed. And, but there was a point in time when God called Abram up to a mountain. Do you remember? To, to sacrifice his son. We know that he passed the test. We understand this. But it, I don't believe God was questioning whether or not Abraham was going to pass the test. I don't think God put it to him to, to get him to, to see. He wasn't wondering. God is all-knowing. God's mind is perfect. God is, is all-wise and omniscient is the, is the big term for it. Uh, and there's nothing that God sees into the hearts of people. He knows whether or not we're going to fail or not fail. He knows when we're going to fall. He knows when we're going to struggle. He knows, uh, he already knows those things. I believe God does those things for our own benefit. Uh, to, to, to help us to see uh, the, the growth uh, possibly, the, the work of God in our own lives. Because if you were to ask, uh, I, honestly, if you were to ask me if I could do what Abraham did, I'd, I would say probably not. 
But the truth is, I could look back at a lot of people of, uh, that have, have gone through trials in their lives. And I don't know how God can do that or how I can do that. But God brought them through, and God would bring me through in the same, in the same instance. Uh, so I believe that these, these things that happen in our lives, uh, are, 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 this cycle can be broken. I believe it has to do with growth, and I believe uh, we're going to see, see some of this uh, in Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 4, we're going to read, read with me. Uh, we're going to read verses 1, 3, and then we're going to jump down to verse 5. Verse 1 says this, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord. Sorry, my, my thing jumped on me. You shall add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the command of the Lord and your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did, because of Baal Peor, for all the men that followed Baal Peor, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. Verse 4, or verse 5, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God command me, that ye should do so in the land, whether ye go to possess it. God is giving, uh, there's a defined expectation. God told them what he expected them to do. It's a, here's a, here is, uh, if this is something that it's important for us to learn as, as parents for our kids, it's good to give our kids, or it's good for teachers to give their students uh, an expectation. Because how can they meet our expectations if they don't know what they're supposed to do? It, it, it's, 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 wrong of us to ask them to do something that they don't clearly explain. So uh, so uh, God here is given to the people of Israel an expectation. He says, I want you to, to he says there in verse, verse 1, O Israel, unto the statutes, hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes, unto thy judgments, which I teach you, for to do them, that you may live and go in and possess the land. He, says, he goes, do these things, that these are the things that are required of you. And the truth is, the word of God is, uh, for us, does the exact same thing. It gives us clear expectation on how we're to live our life. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for, for reproof, for correction, for, for instruction in righteousness. God's given us his, uh, us his Word so that we can then look at it as it is in truth, the Word of God, the, the, the mirror for us to, to examine our own lives so that we might then live our lives in accordance to what God has given to us. He's given us divine or defined expectations. He clearly laid out his law for the people of Israel, and he clearly lays out the, his, his word and his desires for us in his word. Uh, not in gray areas, but in direct expectations. He's given us boundaries. Boundaries are, are good, aren't they? Have you ever crossed the boundary? Are you glad that there was something there that kept you from going past the boundary? You ever seen a guardrail? Those are boundaries. They are there to keep you just not, not just on the road, but safe. So you don't go off the cliff, right? Uh, uh, ever driven on a road that needed a guardrail but didn't have one? <laughs> can be terrifying, can it? Uh, listen, our lives, uh, yes, our lives can be uh, described as a race, but it's important for us to understand that God has given us boundaries uh, for us to live our lives. And those boundaries are found in the Word of God. Look at verse 4. Of, uh, of chapter 4. See, they were alive because of what God had done. But ye, 
that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive, every one of you this day. He's talking about uh, how, how God had blessed them and, and, and brought them out of Egypt and how God had, had done a work in them. Why? Because of God. That's all that we have is because of God. We, we, we look at boundaries in the Word of God. We look at these, the, the, the Word of God sometimes as, as a restriction. Listen, it's okay to have restrictions. Restrictions can be a good thing. They keep us in check, but they keep us on a safe course. Uh, but but uh, God has every right to give us those boundaries. You and I would be, well, we'd be lost without Him. Where, where would we be without God in our lives? Where would we be without Christ in our lives, with, without the work that He had done for us? They were alive because of God. They had a testimony as a great nation because of God. Uh, verse four, 6 of chapter 4. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Uh, they were, the other nations were going to look at the people of Israel. They were going to see uh, the, the way that they lived. They're, like, they're, they're wise. They're an understanding people. That's based upon the fact that they were, they were to follow the, the word of God. It was going to give them a good testimony. Listen, when we walk and live our lives according to the Word of God, guess what? Our lives are a testimony. Others see us. Uh, somebody today was, uh, was talking about uh, a family member that's lost, and, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, they, they were mentioning that uh, uh, there, there, there's a loss in the family. And uh, uh, the, uh, pray, for, uh, pray for Alicia and Guy. Uh, Alicia's mom's boyfriend passed away. Uh, and uh, the, the, the family's going through a loss there. And, uh, but uh, it was interesting. The guy, guy said that uh, Alicia's mom, or Alicia's brother, had come up to him, and he says, you know, Alicia's a whole lot different. Something's different. Goes, no, it's different. She's a child of God. God's doing a work in her heart and a work in her life. And listen, to, and that can be said of many of us, but, but this is a result of, of following those guidelines, the, that boundary that God has set for us. And in doing so, uh, there's, uh, we receive God's blessings, God's provision, and, 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 and victory in the, in the different trials and tribulations in our life. And we see that uh, for the people here in Deuteronomy. We see that in the book of Joshua, that God blessed them when they, were to, when they did what they were supposed to do. Uh, uh, there's blessings upon our life when we walk according to the, will, the, the way of God in our lives. But So we see God's defined expectations and his delightful existence uh, there in verses 4 through 8. He, uh, he's pleased uh, as we do that, and he blesses us as we go through that. But we also see a dissatisfied ex experimentation in verses 9 through 15. Look at verse 9 with me. It says, Only take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the law. Lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest thou they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. The, 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 the problem was, uh, here for the people of Israel, is, is that they had a wandering eye. God, God said, listen, keep the law, hearken to it, uh, take heed to thyself. Why? Because there's a danger. When our eyes, when we begin to look at, and see at the things around us, and we know that, that that's what... The, they, they, they were going to do, uh, they would fail to take heed to themselves, they would uh, forget what God had done, and they, they would fail to teach their children because their eyes would go upon the things of, of the nations around them, and, 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 and they'd forget about what their God had done. The same thing happens to us. We take our eyes off 
of the Lord. We take our eyes off the way God wants us to live and what he wants us to focus on, and our eyes fall upon the things of this world. And we fail to take heed to what God's Word says. We forget what God has done in our path, in our, in our lives in the past and how he's, current, how he's been blessing us, and we fail to teach those things to our children. And, man, that is a recipe for disaster. You saw what happened in the book of jo- in the book of Joshua to the book of Judges. At the end of the book of Joshua, J- Joshua said, "Choose you this day whom you will serve." But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And the people all said that they were going to serve God. Book of Judges, you know what it says, and I believe it's chapter three. There grew up a generation that knew not God. What happened? The the elders, Joshua, and those that that had come into the promised land, they had died off. Their children didn't. Teach their children. And that next generation grew up not knowing God. Yes, they'd heard of the things that he'd done, but they'd never seen it for themselves. And that brings about a, a disobedient exaltation. Look at verse 16 through 19 in Deuteronomy 4. It says, Lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image, the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any beast that is in the earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air, the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth. And lest thou lift up thine eyes unto the heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars and even all the, the hosts of heaven, shouldest be uh, driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations in the whole earth. Uh, the, the danger uh, for the people of Israel, the warning God says, if you take your eyes off, God, if you take your eyes off his precepts, if you go to do your own thing, put your eyes on the world around you, listen, you're going to be drawn away from the Lord. You're going to worship false idols. And he, that's why he said, lest thou you corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image. Now, I'm not accusing anybody here of being like the people of Israel and going out and creating their own idol to bow down and worship to. But we make our own idols, don't we? truth is, anything we put before the Lord is... Is, is an idol, and it's a danger that they fell into time after time. The, uh, it's, a, it's a graven image there. He says, he says, lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you any graven image. Worship the, they would worship and serve anything and, or anybody except for God, and that was the danger. We see that happen today. And when that happened, the next step was this, discipline. Right? Uh, uh, with with obedience, disobedience comes discipline. We see it in verses 20 through 28. God would punish them. He would send plagues. Uh, uh, he would send plagues, judgment, oppression. Uh, look down to verse, verse 20. It says, uh, But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, unto all, un- to be unto him a people for of an inheritance as ye are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes, and swear that I should not go over in Jordan, that I should not go into the land which the Lord thy God giveth you for inheritance. There's going to be judgment that's going to come upon him. In Joshua chapter 23, 12 through 16, we, we see some of that judgment. He says, Else if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, uh, those false gods and the, uh, as they, they were to keep their eyes off of, even these that remain among you and shall make marriages with them and go in unto them, and they to you know for certainty that the Lord your God will, do, will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. But ye shall be snares and traps unto you, and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. And behold, this day I am going 
the way of all the earth, and ye know in, in all your hearts and in all your souls that what, no one thing hath failed of all the good things the Lord your God spake concerning you, all are come to pass unto you, are not, and not one thing hath failed thereof. He said there's going to be, God's never failed you, but if you turn from him, God, the provision uh, won't be there, the protection won't be there, God's not going to go before you, the chastisement's coming. And that's exactly what happened. Just exactly what he said there at the end of Joshua. Uh, if you read the first couple of chapters of the book of Judges, it talks about the nations that weren't chased out because they didn't chase them out. And the same thing happens to us. When there's disobedience to the word of God, chastisement follows. The Bible says that the Lord chastens whom he loves. Uh, if you're a son of God, God will bring chastening in your life. And it's not a desire to punish you. It's a desire to correct you and put you back on the right path. But this is the cycle that they, that they would go into. And then next there would be deliverance. We see it in verses 29 through 31. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul, when thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God, and shalt be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, and he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear. After the chastening comes the, comes the deliverance from the people of Israel and turn back. It happened time and time again. And guess what happens to us, to us too? I, I, I mentioned the verse earlier. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Listen, it's not saying just come to him close to, close to him in prayer. It's saying that if you're in sin, if you've gotten away from the Lord, if your fellowship is broken, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. The very next verse says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. It's talking about that, 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 that uh, deliverance from sin and that, that re returning back unto the Lord. And, and thank the Lord He is merciful. Thank the Lord that He is a God who will deliver, that He will forgive, that He will bring about the, that, that fellowship again if repentance comes. Because where would it be otherwise? The people of Israel, would, if they acknowledge their sin they, and repent and get right with God, the they would start back all over again. But guess what? As we saw, as we already mentioned, it was a cycle. This was not a one-time thing. It happened generation after generation after generation. Today, the same cycle seems to play out in, in, in many Christians' lives. It's played out in my life. And if, we, if we're all honest, if, if those of us that are saved here today would say that cycle has also played out in our own lives. A cycle of hot and cold, off and on. Faithful, unfaithful, believing, doubting, obedience, disobedience. So what do we do? How do we break the cycle so that we're not waffling back and forth, uh, uh, struggling and doing well? How do we become steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord? How do we get rid of or break that cycle? of inconsistency and instability. Number one, I, th I think we find the, the, the first answer in verse number 20. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 20. We need an appreciation for sovereign inheritance. Look what it says there in verse 20. But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of an inheritance as ye are this day. 
He brought Israel uh, out of Egypt. Uh, they, they were his people. They were, they were, they were a chosen people. But they, were, they had been in bondage for 400 years. And God redeemed them from that bondage. Uh, uh, but do you remember what happened after they get out of, out of Egypt a little ways? They started wondering, about well, why couldn't they go back into the, where the, the le- they had the leeks and the garlics and all the other stuff? Uh, yes, they had the bondage, but hey, at least they had onions. They forgot. Romans 9 makes it very clear that God is, has sovereign authority over Israel. Look at verse 20 and 21. It says, Nay, but O man, who art thou that reply, repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay, or the same lumps to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? There needs to be an understanding that God is sovereign in our lives. Regardless of what's going on, we are his people. Israel was his nation. He has the power over all that goes on in our lives. The problem was they were ungrateful. They weren't appreciative. In fact, the Bible says in Numbers chapter 11, verse 20, but even as a whole month until it come out of your nostrils, and it be loathsome unto you, because that ye have despised the Lord which is among you, and have wept before him, saying, why came we forth out of Egypt? That's in re- that verse is referencing, or the context is, they were hungry for meat. And they said, oh, if we just had this, and they wanted quail. And God said, you want quail? I'll give you quail. So many fell from the skies, they, that's what they were told to eat. He described it there as coming out their nostrils. Not that it was actually coming out their nostrils, but he, he gave them what they wanted. They weren't thankful. They, 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 they were unthankful. Uh, they had been given freedom, but they would rather have bondage and leeks and onions. What did God save us from? Honestly, think back to the time before you were saved, where you came from, where you were. Think about, think about the, the depths of the sin. Think about the, the judgment that was to come. Think about all that you were before. If, if we think about what we came from instead of think about circumstances that we're uncomfortable with or unhappy with or discontent with, there becomes a gratefulness that we are God's people. We've been bought with a price. Right, Brother Frank? Purchased by his blood. Think about what Jesus Christ did for you and what, what he brought you out of. What sin he saved you from. Bible says that, that uh, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Indeed, we're, we're no longer bound by the sin that we were once bound by. We're no longer underneath the judgment of God. Uh, uh, we are God's chosen inheritance. And, and we, man, we can't take that for granted. In fact, when we do, it's the beginning of becoming backslid. It's the beginning of that cycle. We take for granted what God has done for us. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross, and the next step is disobedience. Number two, first of all, again, we were to be appreciate this our sovereign inheritance. We'll look at number two is an acceptance of spiritual identity. Verses thirty-two through thirty-eight of Deuteronomy chapter four says this: For ask now of the days that are past, which were before thee, since the days that God created man upon the earth, and ask from one side of heaven unto the other whether there whether there hath been any such thing as this great thing, or hath been heard it like it. Did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire, as thou hast heard and lived? 
Or hath God essayed to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation by temptations, by signs, and by wonders, and by war, and by mighty hand, and by a, a stretched out arm, and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? Except that they had to accept that they were God's people, that God had chosen them and called them out to be his people. God's chosen you too. Listen, he didn't choose you because you deserved it. He didn't choose Israel because they deserved it. In fact, the Bible says that he chose them, choose them because they were great in number. No. He chose them because he loved them. God had done things for the people of Israel that he had never done for anybody else. What has God done for you? What has God done for you? What has he saved you from? How has he changed your life? It's easy to focus on the, the problems. It's easier to focus on what we don't have or what we're discontent with. But listen, what has God done? What was the people's response there in Israel? In Israel? They wanted to be like everybody else. They weren't happy where they were at. First Samuel chapter 5 Sorry, First Samuel chapter 8, verse 5 says, And he said to them, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways, and now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. This is talking about the people of Israel uh, uh, being led by the man of God, the prophet of God, Samuel. He's gotten old in his old age. His sons aren't the, the, the man of God that he was. And the people of Israel said, You know what? You're getting old, and instead of trusting that God's going to bring forward somebody else, we, just, we want ourselves a king like everybody else. Verse 19 in the same chapter says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have God fight my battles and go before us, go before me. But this was the result of their disobedience. This was the result of their, 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 their lack of acceptance of who they were. They were God's people. They, were to be led, they should have been led by God's Man, instead, they desired a king, and they got what they asked for. They were not grateful to be God's chosen people. Uh, it was a burden to them. It was uh, something that they, that, that they didn't want to be a part of. They, they wanted a king. Likewise, the problem with many Christians is a lack of appreciation for the, the, the distinct identity that we have in Jesus Christ. The God intends for his people. First Peter 2 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are not called to be like everybody else. But more and more we see Christians that want to be like everybody else. Second Corinthians 6 and verse 14 says, Be be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, notice what he says, wherefore, come out from among them. And be separate, 
saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. God's calling us to be different. Not to be like everybody else. Not to act like everybody else. Not to talk like everybody else. Not to dress like everybody else. And listen, I'm not saying we've got to be like the Amish and go live, on, uh, go live without electricity. I like electricity. I like rubber wheels on my cars. I, 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 I like to have pockets on my shirts. You know that Amish aren't allowed to have pockets in the shirts because they might carry, if they have a fancy pen, uh, they can be proud of that pen. Sick of, there's, that's why they don't have pockets. Because it could, be a, it could show their pride by putting a, a nice pen in their pocket. The, the, the brim of their hat, the, the length, the width of the brim is all governed by, they've got a lot of rules. It sounds very pharisaical, to be honest with you. I'm not saying we've got to be like that. I'm saying we're, we're to be different. We're, not, we're to come out from among the world. We're to, we're to be different. John 15, 19 says this, If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Our identity is not in this world. Our identity as Christians is in Jesus Christ. As we acknowledge that, as we accept that, and as we strive for it, It helps us break that cycle. Number three, abstaining from sinful indulgences. Verses 39 and 40 of Deuteronomy 4, we see this. It says, Know ye therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, that he is God in heaven above and upon the earth. Beneath there is none else. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, that thou mayest prolong the days, thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever and ever. The path was very clear. Keep the statutes and commandments. It wasn't difficult. It wasn't hazy. It wasn't... Uh, uh, have you ever seen a sign that was hard to see? Uh, I, I, been, I, I almost got pulled over one day. This was years ago. Not anytime soon. But uh, uh, I, I rolled through a stop sign that I didn't see because it was covered by a tree. Now, ignorance is no, is no excuse for the law, right? I almost got pulled over. Aren't you thankful that the boundaries God has set for us are clear? The path was clear for them, and the path is clear for us. While we may not be content living in God's boundaries, they're still God's boundaries. The problem is, many times we allow our own desires, our own lusts, our own opinions dictate the path that we take versus following the path that God would have us to take. See, my opinion doesn't matter. How I feel about what the Bible says. Perfect example. We had a man come through here. Uh, uh, he uh, uh, years ago from Rock of Ages, uh, and he, he was telling me about. Uh, he goes into schools, uh, and I don't, I don't know. I don't believe he's been, been able to do it so much since COVID happened. But but uh, uh, they were going into schools and they were teaching character classes uh, to to the students in the schools all all through the South, and they were trying to get in up get get in up north. But he went into a, a school and uh, teaching this character class, and they, the way they were able to do it was they weren't, they were using scripture, but not using scripture. By, they, they couldn't 
they couldn't just say the Bible says in Proverbs chapter this, but the, they were teaching character qualities through the principles of Scripture. And they said a wise man named Solomon said, and they'd use a verse out of Scripture. Well, uh, one of the things that they can do is the way the law is written is if a child asks a, a question about the Bible, they could answer the question about the Bible. Uh, so if, if it brought about questions about salvation or God's love, or uh, he, not being an, a, an employee of the school, was allowed to then share those things. But he was very kind. He would always ask the teacher if he had permission before he goes, is it okay if I answer this? Well, he, he got set up one day. He goes into uh, the school classroom, and he goes, I knew there was a problem it's the, 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 when, the moment I stepped into the classroom because all the women teachers of the school were lined up against the back wall. And I thought, something's up. So we started going through the lesson, and one of the kids raised her hand and says, I got a question about the Bible. And, and uh, he goes, he says, he looks at the teacher and says, is it okay if I answer? She goes, yeah, I want to hear the question. The question was this, what do you think about women, women preachers? And he looks at the back wall of all the women that were standing there, and he prayed really quickly. And then he looked at the teacher, is it okay if, I, if, if, if we, we talk about this? She goes, go right ahead. Because she was waiting to hear the answer too. So he looked at the little girl and says, well, why don't you turn to, and he gave her the passage of Scripture, and, and he says, can, can you read that verse out loud? And so the little girl read the verse out loud about what the, what the requirements of a pastor were, a husband of one wife. He goes, does that sound like a woman? And he goes, she goes, no. And he went to some other pastor scripture, and, he, and she goes, but what do you think? He goes, it doesn't matter what I think. My opinion is irrelevant in this and everything else because God's opinion is more important than my opinion. And with, no matter what society says, no matter what our culture says, no matter what, what, what the people in church say, it doesn't matter. What does the Bible say? What is, what is God's opinion on the matter? Because God's opinion is the only one that truly matters. Uh, uh, but the, again, the, the problem today is many Christians follow their own path, their own, their own desires, instead of taking God's word as what it is. First Peter 2.11 says, This dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Sometimes, we let our fleshly lusts guide us. The things that, that please us, but we're to abstain from those things. Once you give in to lust, the appetite grows for more and more, and you sin more and for, more. In fact, uh, the book of James talks about, uh, uh, talks about what sin is. It talks about how, how uh, the, our lust uh, brings forth that sin. Temptation isn't, isn't, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's the sin to give in to our temptations. So he says, he says to abstain from. Abstain means to put away, to, to get away, flee from it. Make, most, make no mistake, Satan will always produce an alternative to God's will. He'll always give you something else to do. He'll always, and he'll use your weaknesses to, to draw you away. Things that, that, that feel good, things that sound good, things that, 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 that look like they could be Good, but the truth is, if it goes against the word of God, it's the wrong choice to make. Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. 
We're, we're not to, uh, we're not to uh, give Satan any opportunity in our life to draw us away from what God has called us to do. But the, I don't go and eat at McDonald's. Now, that, I'm not saying it's a sin, though eating there is terrible and could be a sin. Kidding, kidding. The food's not good for you. I'm trying to lose weight. I don't go eat at fast food restaurants. You know why? Because it's a temptation. It will only cause me to stumble. If I don't want to, if I'm trying to avoid getting drunk, guess where I don't go? The bars. If I if I don't want to fall into pornography, guess what? I avoid every part of anything, any opportunity or place that can get me to, right? If I don't want to have an adulterous relationship, uh, I don't make friends with females that aren't my wife. I give no place to the devil. Uh, I don't want my mind to go off into some 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 uh, uh, distraction or get, give some some uh, some trail that will just lead me into uh, a sinful thought life. Guess what? I don't do meditate on those things. God's given us boundaries. Let's stay within them. Don't give place to it. Remember what Satan did with Eve? Eve, uh, he, he approached Eve and says, Hath not God said that thou shouldn't eat uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And she said, she said uh, We can't eat it or touch it lest we die. Problem. I don't know how many trees there were in the garden. I do know this, there was only one tree that they weren't supposed to eat up, eat from. But what did she do? It says when she saw that it was good for food, it was pleasant to the eye, and good to make one wise, she sat there and looked at that forbidden fruit, thinking about it, meditating upon it, and found herself within her hand, within her mouth, and then giving it to her husband. Don't we do the same thing sometimes? Man, I wish. Wouldn't it be nice? Instead of complaining about the things that we're not supposed to do, instead of, instead of being upset about the restrictions upon our life, uh, uh, the rules that, that are laid out before us, shouldn't we rejoice in all that God has done for us? allowed us to be a part of, uh, the work that he has done, the freedom that we have, the, the blessings that we have, all because of what Christ has done for us. The list of things that a child of God can do and enjoy and participate in are, are so far greater than what God has said we're not to partake of. 1 Peter 1, verse 13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. He says, listen, you're God's child. As an, as an obedient child, don't fast yourself according to the former lust. Don't live like you used to live. It's not that hard. Understand, we, we're not our own. We have been bought with a price. Accept, uh, accept who we are in Jesus Christ uh, and, and abstain from those sinful things that God has called us to abstain from. Uh, 
fill ourselves with the Word, be transformed. Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed, but be transformed. Fill ourselves with the Word of God. Follow the, the precepts that God has laid before us. Listen, if we're striving to go the right way, we'll never go the wrong way. Have you ever gotten lost? Many times when people get lost, it's because they weren't paying attention to the way they were supposed to go. I, I've missed turns before because I was talking to my wife. I missed turns because I was doing any number of things because I wasn't focusing on the path I was supposed to take and striving to get there. Nowadays, we use GPS, right? And thankfully, we have GPS that says recalculating and tells you how to get there when you make a mistake. Well, maybe yours, they don't do that anymore. They pretty much they just change. There was a time when you had to use a map. And you had to be much more vigilant. You didn't have a voice saying, hey, turn here, turn here, turn here, turn in 500 feet, turn in 300 feet, turn in 100 feet, turn now, too late. When I moved from Ohio to Maine, I had only been to Maine one time in my life, and I wasn't driving. So I took a map, an atlas, and I, I laid it out, and, and it was an atlas, so I had to turn the pages, make sure I got all the right pages, and I marked my path with highlighter. And I, I circled every one of the intersections every time I had to get off and connect to a new interstate. And that's how I got here. So I, I'd write out all the directions. I printed out the directions back when you had to print the directions off of MapQuest. It's a long time ago. And I, was fo I followed those directions. And guess what? I didn't get lost. I didn't have any trouble. Not once, not once did I make, make a mistake because I was so focused on getting to, to my destination and making sure I was following the right path because I didn't want to get lost in the middle of nowhere. God's given us a map. And we all know the verse. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. amazing if we would just spread it before us and outline where we're supposed to go and pay attention that we hit those intersections stay within the boundaries stay away from the Boston I mean <laughs> the places we're not supposed to go amazed we might find ourselves not falling back into that cycle. Now I'm not going to say that we'll never but if we want to break that cycle we need to be focused. We need to find our identity in Christ and be happy with it. Israel wasn't happy with their identity. While they were in the wilderness, all they wanted to do was go back to the wilderness. When they got into the promised land, all they wanted to be was like the nations around them. Find your identity in Christ. Not in church. Listen, I love our church. I do. 
But don't find your identity here. Because if I die, or some Lord, God forbid, someday this church closes, guess what? God's still real. And he's still good. Brother Troy and Nita didn't walk away from God. They moved to Tennessee. God's country. What's that? <laughs> They're right in the middle of God's will. Serving the Lord where God has them. And Rich and Marge aren't allowed to leave now. <laughs> if you find your identity here when you leave here, because you're young people, one day you're going to grow up. And I hope to, and I pray to God that you all stay here and you grow up here and you, you get married and your families are here. I, I pray that for my kids. I pray that for all the kids. But guess what? Chances are, if not all of you, most of you, are going to get married and move away, and God's going to have you serve somewhere else, go somewhere else. And I'm okay with that, as long as you're still serving the Lord. But if, you're, if your identity is in this church or in the youth group, when you're not in the youth group, guess what? You've lost your identity, and you're prone to get pulled back into the, or pulled into the world. I don't want to see you guys lost. I don't want to see you guys struggle. Find your identity in Christ. Be content in that. In fact, don't just be content in it. Rejoice in it. Look at the blessings that the people of Israel had because of their identity in Christ. He said, if you do this, there were blessings in, his, in their lives. The provision, the protection. The, the testimony they had around them, but when they walked away from the Lord, there were consequences. Find your identity in Christ. Rejoice in it. Pray, Father God, I thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, God, for what it does for us and in us. And God, I pray that you'd help us to, to, to continue to grow, to draw nigh unto you, Lord, to, to, to grow in your word and to, to be unmovable, to be unshakable, Father, uh, that we might be a, a lighthouse here at this church, here outside of this church, in, in our community, Lord, wherever you would take us. God, I pray that your hand would be upon us, that you'd work through us, and God, in all that we give you all the glory and praise, because you are certainly worthy. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all you do. Bless, this, bless the rest of this day, God, and use it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Oh, yeah.